Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to the Pro Wrestling Show in association with TalkSport in swanky new studios at TalkSport Towers. And what a show we've got coming for you. Frankie Kazarian, one-third of SCU, joins the show to talk AEW. And are the WWE actually nailing the road to WrestleMania? We'll talk about it all. Uh, I'm with Alex McCarthy. John's got man flu, boo-hoo. So it's just going to be the two of us today. But let's be honest, that's how you've always wanted it. I will turn on John Jackson in a heartbeat. I have no problem with it whatsoever. I saw that straight through the barbershop window. <laughs> uh, no, John seriously isn't feeling very well at all, so won't be joining us today. And we apologise. There was no just regular show last week, uh, but there was. Uh, yeah, there was. Uh, there, you've got our little. If you've not listened to it yet, the NXT UK special with. Uh, with Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster is well worth a listen, whether you are an indie Mark or whether you are just a WWE guy or whether you're an international wrestling fan. We talk about Japan and America as well. It's really, really good fun. Mike Bovell's giving me a wave. I'm just giving him a little wave back. Uh, that's the head of TalkSport 2. Uh, I'm just... Gonna let him know I'm testing out the studios for uh, the Pro Wrestle Show. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah. Loads to get into on the show today because... I have to say that I thought this was the most enjoyable week of WWE regular television programme that I can remember in modern memory. Well, before we take a deep dive into the ins and outs of what we enjoyed and the multiple uh, surprises and twists that WWE conjured up that they seem to uh, lack, for want of a better term, <laughs> uh, in ordinary TV, uh, yeah, for, for both Raw and SmackDown, that's the first time in a long time that I've watched them from start to finish and enjoyed them thoroughly. Uh, couldn't necessarily tell what was going to happen. You know, I suspected the Batista thing, um, but the way they did it was, I thought was really cool, which we'll go into uh, greater detail, but it just seems that they've made a lot of smarter decisions, really, like a lot of the way they're lining up the card um, and I'm I'm all here for it, Will. The thing is, I, so I am obviously a supermark, and I am someone who we were just talking about how whether you'd seen NXT this week. It's the only thing you haven't seen yet, but you you read the spoilers because, like me, you're a nerd. Yes. And so I'm the same sort of person, and yet the Batista thing caught me completely unawares. I knew that there was talk about Batista Triple H at WrestleMania. That's been around for a while. I had been slightly sideswerved by the whole Batista going for lunch with Jericho. Will he be an AEW guy instead yeah. of a WWE guy? I had actually bought into that narrative a little bit. But let's start off with the end of Raw because 
we'll talk a little bit about their continued build towards the women's triple threat likely to headline mania in a moment but i was a hundred percent convinced that there was going to be some nonsense with becky with charlotte flair being rick flair's daughter that rick flair would come out and charlotte flair would be alongside him and then mm. the man would come out and that would be the whole the whole gimmick that would be she'd come back handcuffs still on there'd be a whole thing I was convinced that was the direction they were going to go. And then it was getting closer and closer to, to 4 a.m. And I was like, they've not been doing overruns on Raw recently. Yeah. How are they going to squeeze in an angle here? They'd like They'd We've got three minutes to actually celebrate Ric Flair's birthday. <laughs> and when they cut to that backstage angle of Batista dragging the cameraman through backstage... I legitimately pop for it. I was <laughs> I, I, like, I don't know whether they're going to have a mind blowing match, but this is the the best way to have introduced him back, and it sets up a great storyline that is going to make like if people aren't tuning into Raw next week after seeing the end of that show, I'd be amazed. Yep, and Batista is booked for next week, as we've come to learn as well. So you know, and I'm so glad that you brought up the um, the, the cameraman bit from that final segment because that really made it feels so you know we obviously it's not real but it made it feel so real that Batista was dragging him in there and then Ric Flair's getting dragged out um you know I saw that you thought there was going to be something with the gimmick cake somebody was going to go through the cake but did you see somebody did go through the cake off air afterwards yeah of course they ended up putting Jinder through the cake eventually why wouldn't it be Jinder (laughs) I mean uh but yeah like you said I mean for me it's Charlotte Flair as well she took she came out and cut a decent promo on SmackDown the following night and made no mention of her father getting absolutely was destroyed I the night that before. Was a um, yeah, so that that kind of annoyed me a little bit. But anyway, the Batista surprise, we did actually mention in the um, WWE gossip column that we produce on TalkSport.com a couple of weeks ago when Ric Flair's birthday announcement was made. There was a reason it was made three weeks out. They had these plans in place. And uh, we had speculated that Batista was, in fact, going to be lined up to start his angle with Triple H. We just had no idea that it was going to be done the way it was done, though. Um, was there a slight concern that a 70-year-old man was being dragged out of a room by... Like, he sold that hard. He did not... There was no kind of... It wasn't a cutaway and then a cutback and Ric Flair's on the floor and Batista standing over him. Look, I like he, to he imagine... He dragged him out by the actual suit jacket. Yeah, yeah. And it, was, it looked genuinely brutal. Look, I, I like to imagine that Ric Flair was lobbying to get colour in that segment. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen... Uh, you know, a lot of fans will recall... Do you remember when Rated RKO got together? in about 2006 mm-hmm. yeah. and they concertoed Ric Flair at ringside as a way to get to uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels mm-hmm. I believe and um, he, he oh my god he was literally drenched in blood like everywhere and just as um, Batista's pulling him out of the locker room I'm thinking to myself well here comes Ric Flair he's, I mean he's going to be a pint of blood down isn't he but uh, surprise surprise he actually wasn't but um, yeah I, I mean it, you've got to imagine someone like Rick would relish being involved in that angle just diving a little bit deeper into it though I don't think it makes the world of sense that Batista would absolutely hammer Ric Flair like someone that he's idolised for such a long time depends on how they're going to sell the next few weeks of course but what's the whole do I have your attention I mean 
I so mean, if the sell is that Batista has been for the last few years banging the table, not banging the table, but anytime anyone asks him about wrestling, he mm-hmm. says he said I would return for a match with Triple H. If he comes back and says that he's been ignored as a blue chip uh, entity, that he's been absolutely put down, that he's been ignored by Triple H, and he feels like it's been. Uh, a complete disservice to his legacy. Mm. And so with Triple H being off being the international businessman, setting up you know UK performance centres and dealing with NXT and everything else, I, that's the angle I'd like to see him take with it. And he felt like this was the desperation move to get Triple H's attention, yeah. was to go after the guy who, yes, he mentored Batista, but he also was a big part of mentoring Triple H as well and the whole evolution stuff. And so that's the way that I feel they're going with it. I have another bit of fancy booking that goes along with you this as well. You always do, Will, but please enlighten me. So we're going to talk about um, Kofi and Owens, and we're going to talk about the women's as well. Right. But Vince has been inserted into both of those angles, playing the spoiler heel managerial Look, character. Just to cut you off quickly, I also have a fancy book around this Vince McMahon. I didn't know you was going to go here, but I'm going to be so mad <laughs> if it's the same fantasy book. But please, so it's, it's kind of an in and out of ring booking that I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm not necessarily saying I want to see Vince McMahon involved in a match or anything like that. I think he's too God. old and, and, gone, and past it at this point. But him dipping his hand in every single opportunity right now and going against what the fans want, unbooking Becky, unbooking Kofi, who are clearly both massively over... I think this is all setting up for, I hope this is all setting up for Vince taking a proper step away from WWE TV to focus on the XFL and the NXT call-ups kind of has a bit to do with this as well for me. The Triple H is going to finally take that mantle that we thought he's going to be taking for a long time and become the guy who is running WWE TV. Yeah, look, uh, that's pretty much exactly the way I was going with that. I I actually suggested as much on Twitter earlier this week that... I feel like, you know, the fact that he keeps coming out and doing it under Triple H and Stephanie McMahon's noses uh, and Mm -hmm. Shane this week, that they're going to end up, um, you know, going against him and riling up. And we're going to get like an end of the Monday Night Wars type situation. I mean, eventually eventually the three of them are going to turn on Vince and say, you can't keep doing this. And, and, you know, I don't think that's necessarily the direction of Mania. I think. Uh, Becky will earn her way back into that spot somehow, and I think Kofi will get it by virtue of Owens is not going to win at Fast Lane, and and he will find his way into that match as well. I don't think those superstars are going to be handed anything from um, the rest of the authority, for want of a better term. But I do, I do, I do think you're you're right. Vince McMahon has long been uh, said that he will step away, or well, not step away. I don't think he'll ever step away while he's breathing, but. Um, Focus more is probably the right term on XFL, which of course launches in 2020. So they're really setting us up, and 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 to, and in, for me, you look at Triple H, it couldn't be in better hands, honestly. When you when you look at how uh, NXT is developing, uh, and I think it makes the world of sense that Vince would would go out this way in in his heelish uh, bad guy mannerisms. It's it's really the perfect foil, and it's going to be really hard to to replicate. What do we reckon about, because uh, it's amazing we didn't start the show with this, mm. but the Reigns return, because yeah. 
obviously an incredible pop from the crowd. Already there's speculation and backstage how long it's going to take the crowd to turn on him again. Yeah. And there was an element when he came in for the uh, the Ambrose save with Rollins at the end of the show, or towards the end of the show, when he started throwing Superman punches around. But I began to remember what frustrated me about the way Reigns was booked. Because I think, not unlike John Cena, he's clearly an incredibly hard worker and he's clearly insanely dedicated to his craft and to the company and everything. But... The the whole Superman element of his his character is what people kind of rallied against, and so I think they've got a chance here to get a guy as over as humanly possible in a way that would never have presented itself, and the, every little subtlety for me about the way he came to the ring, the way he went round and high-fived everyone, the way that he stepped up to the ring but didn't immediately step into the ring and had that longing look over it before he stepped back in, the way that commentary didn't talk for the first nine and a half minutes of Raw this week. Yeah. All of that I thought was brilliant. I just I don't want them to then ruin what they've now got, which is a guy who for the most horrible reasons is now finally over in a way they want him to be. Look, I, I've got a, a sub-rant here that I'm going to have to exercise. Um, I'm excited. It, it's very, I really am. It's, <laughs> honestly, it has rattled me this week, the amount of tweets I have read with people suggesting that his leukemia would be at work and that WWE has simply done this to manipulate the crowd response. That is maybe the most absurd thing I've ever heard. Did you my... see Leukemia Research? The Tweeted the long thread. Yeah, I retweeted yeah. that myself. It, it's. I think I might have seen your retweet of it, in fact. Yeah, it is absolutely ludicrous. Um, you know, and, and when you actually look at it in, on a breakdown, like, you know, people go, well, it's not, it's not as if Vince McMahon wouldn't do that. It's like, well, does he have previous doing that? I, I, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's the most ridiculous thing to suggest. And yes, that Roman... Um, has managed to film a few scenes uh, with with The Rock for Hobson Shaw, I believe, on his time off. But that in no way means that he wasn't ill or didn't have... You know, people were making out, oh, you know, he, I think it was Meltzer who said he had the the least um, life-threatening kind of leukaemia, like a 5% death rate or something. It was like, oh, well, f*** it then, David. It doesn't matter, does it? Like, do, do you know what I mean? Like, what kind of research is that? Like, why are people even diving into that? That... It, bu- it bugs the f*** out of me, sorry. It really does. <laughs> uh, um, and and, and it, it was just a cool moment that he got to come back on Monday to something that he thought he never might. And, you know, the crowd response was organic. It wasn't like it's something that... Uh, you, you were, it's, it's on a different plane, but when Triple H came back to Madison Square Garden in 2002, before he went, he was easily the most hated man in the business. Easily, right? But... The, the time away, the kind of respect of the people that you can't deny that Triple H is a, is a great worker, uh, a very hardworking, passionate person in the business. And that is kind of the same thing for Roman Reigns. Like people appreciate that he's been through a lot, but at the same time, whether you like his character or not, the person has been a very valuable member of the industry, full stop. And I think that's pretty much undeniable. Yes, the way he came, that segment with Ambrose, you know, I, I thought it was really cool the setup for the spear, you know, the yeah, oh, yeah, 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 and, and yeah. the crowd were all in. Like, I thought that was very cool. Did I like him going around multiple Superman punches? No, but I never really did. I hate, I hate. The I Superman think it's a bad punch. move. Like, okay, yeah, you know, I, I get it that the premise to begin with, like Georgia Saint Pierre, made it kind of famous in UFC. It's the name more than anything but, else. But yeah, it, that's exactly it. It kind of rubs you the wrong way, and it and it's for. 
you know, if he had another move to go with the spear, it might not be so bad. But they're, they're just, you know, laying everyone out. You know, you just think, learn your lessons, WWE. Really do. But uh, do I want to see the, the one last shield reunion? I'm sorry, I do. I know well, it doesn't even make sense, but I do want to see it. So there's a really interesting potential setup that's been put forward this week for the shield at Fast Lane, yep. assuming he's ready to be back in ring, because you've got the four heel faction, which is. Lashley, McIntyre, I mean, they've been thrown together, of course. Uh, Elias and yeah. Corbin. But that's a four, and the Shield are a three. Mm. Now, is it a coincidence that Braun took a Shield powerbomb through a double table at the last pay-per-view? I no. think not. So I think there's going to be... I think we're looking at a, a four-way tag match with Braun inserted on the Shield side. But they've got ten days to set that up, so it's not particularly... It, it might be just an easy sell because of the people involved in it. But. Yeah, it doesn't take long to align Ambrose with um, the Shield. No, yeah, especially the way his character at the moment has just decided to be I've, a baby I've, face. I've really enjoyed. I've enjoyed this Ambrose stuff. I've said that on <laughs> people uh, have been so pissy about it. I've really enjoyed. Again, it. I tweeted on on Twitter saying uh, he looks as comfortable and stress free. Uh, and in himself that I've seen in years, and I'm really enjoying it. Seeing it's, it. it's really funny. Uh, I I think when they're getting the rest of the TV right, when they're nailing those top storylines, mm. and I, then we'll get onto the Kofi Owen stuff in a moment. When they're nailing those top storylines, it give it, you are more forgiving of the mid card and lower card stuff. And in the same way, I messaged you guys uh, during SmackDown and went, "Is anyone else really enjoying our truth?" Like actually, yeah. it was a great match with him and Andrade and Ray, and I think that we may see. A repeat of that match at a pay-per-view and i was fine with with truth going over too yeah exactly and the way they did it was perfect and i just like i was like i'm really enjoying the gimmick i'm really enjoying the john cena thing he can do that forever as far as i'm concerned <laughs> this idol. idea that he was a john cena <laughs> fanboy to the fact that i think he's about three years older than cena yeah is, is wonderful so i kind of you do get find yourself going all in on stuff like that um the so that I mean that's Reigns. Uh, we need to talk about the the NXT call ups continue to come up and continue to win. Mm. They, uh, there's not much else to say about it other than that, except that I'm not a fan of them going over the tag champs in back to back weeks no, and a makeshift team at that. There was like, a gr- it's, it's one thing to have DOI do it. That's one thing, mm-hmm. but then to just do a makeshift team is it's pretty disrespectful in my opinion. But what I've read is that because uh, Tommaso Ciampa is dealing with a back injury at the moment that has apparently been ailing him for the past five or six weeks, they were actually meant to... So DIY were actually meant to be in a four-way tag team match. I believe it was going to be a number one contenders alongside Hawkins and Ryder and uh, Alistair Black and Ricochet and another team. So this was a last... You know, this match was put together on the day why it was still decided that they would go over Revival, I don't know. But and in three and a half minutes. Of and course, in... but you know that would suggest that they were probably going over in this four-way match. I, 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 just, I get them pushing those guys. I really, really do. I just think you just mentioned like Hawkins and Ryder. There's a team they can go over yeah. without it having to be going over the tag champs. And like Dash Wilder tweeted something this week, which I thought was superb, where he put something like, uh, we demand that as part, uh, in respect to our... Uh, historic tag title victory two weeks ago <laughs> that we get a proper entrance this week on Raw or something like that yeah, instead yeah. of the classic jobber entrance if they get their entrance during the ad break yeah. which is does really take the mick and like I um 
my my biggest pet peeve in all of wrestling is when the champ doesn't come out last. I, I'm a stickler for things like that. And I actually went back and watched. Um, I've been. I, I so Shawn Michaels bent that I've gone on that's then developed out of that. But uh, Jericho and uh, Michaels for the uh, the ladder match at Bad oh, Blood. Two thousand eight. Yeah, one of the all time greats. But he um, Jericho came out first, despite the fact he was the champion there, mm. and it I, like. It just annoyed me. Even something that's 11 years old still made me angry. So it's going to make me angry now as well. Um, <laughs> uh, the uh, What about the... Da, 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 da. Let's talk about the, the women's triple threat build. Um, the fact of... I, I For me, they're still really nailing the Becky stuff. Like I, People might be bored of seeing her come out and hit people with her, her crutch, but... The lines she delivered as she was being hauled away when she said, uh, take these handcuffs off, I need these hands to raise the women's title up, and you shouldn't be arresting me, you should be arresting them, they robbed me. Mm. That stuff was gold, and she's just nailing it left, right and centre at the moment. Her her character, of course, is is on a tremendous role, and I feel like they're doing a great job. Similar, uh, I know this comparison has been made a million times now, but Ala Austin late 98 kind of times where you don't necessarily wrestle every week but they find good stuff for them to do um and when i look at becky charlotte and ronda of course things have escalated this week with becky and ronda online now of you know the, the twitter she, she's spat. got in trouble for some of the language she's used apparently, apparently so the wwe are not thrilled to quote uh, a source but you look at Ronda, you know, I think Ronda was saying fake and script and all of this stuff, and WWE are thinking, don't completely kill kayfabe, please. <laughs> but but I get what they're trying to do by the same token that you know Ronda wants to make it real, and you know that that's the, that's when wrestling's at its best when you don't know how bad the blood is or you know what the issues are. So you know, by that token, I can see what the way they're trying to build it, and in this day of realism, well, you know, a lot of smart marks are you know that's just the general wrestling fan these days has access to the internet and the dirt sheets so you know I can understand the the route they're trying to go as as for Charlotte's kind of insurgent in it it's just kind of there at the moment yeah, you know. I, I, I loved her promo on Smackdown and she's so done willing that consecutive to, weeks and her promo work for the past month's been great while we th- while there was always an element of we thought they might do a triple threat as a way of selling it, putting Charlotte Flair in there. And some people have rejected that on a legitimate level, not just on a storyline level. Mm. Actually, having someone who is that willing to take the heel heat, which means that Rousey can be the tweener and Becky can be the the pure face that she's become uh, with the fans. Rousey laying the belt down in front of Stephanie and calling it a belt, which in itself was a great moment for me. Yeah. Uh, that was, <laughs> if you she'd know. called it a strap, I would have gone crazy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is nothing but a strap. Yeah, that would have been wonderful. I, yeah, you know, I'm still all in on it. They've still got four or five weeks of build to do, but you know, I, I, I there's nothing. I'm not going to complain about it. That was it sets up the Vince to, angle to me. I know, like you know, the surprises and the returns and things like that were fantastic. But just a subtle twist in the story that I didn't see coming was Rousey lying the belt down mm-hmm. and now saying, "Oh, where do we go from there?" Like, I loved it. That, that's that's the first wrinkle in the story for a while where it's really not a formulaic and it's just like, oh, you know, they got a cheap shot on her this week and then there's going to be something next week and there's going to be a roll-up. or like you know, It seems like WWE's been stuck in that kind of formula for a while and who knows if it's Bruce Pritchard's return to the creative team or <laughs> not. Who knows? But, you know, it's no coincidence that this week's television has been the greatest it's been in 
well, recent memory. Still, and, uh, and I mean that all the way through. Still don't know what they do with Asuka. Well, Mandy Rose at Fastlane. Um, it's clear that Mandy Rose is getting a rocket. I don't know whether she's going to win it. I don't... Surely not. Well, just... you, you say that, but there's no obvious path for Oscar. Like, I'm still convinced they're going to do a multi-woman match at Mania for, for Oscar's title, which is kind of a step backwards, but also by the same token, you, you know, look at it right now. Look at the SmackDown brand. Who? who? Who is, like, the obvious contender? It's like Naomi is, like, the next top star. Yeah. Who, who's, who's paying money to see Naomi Oscar? Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I mean point. that of all respect in the world, but there's there's nothing there, is it? Like they were kind of half a team for a little bit. Now Carmella and Naomi are a team, and Oscar's doing a thing, and there's nothing. That there's no time, no heat, no nothing. No, you're absolutely right. I just don't know. Who, I I just it's the one area that they're falling over at the moment for mm. me. And I know there's no obvious fix, but that's their job is to find a fix. Well, it's like they said. I mean, until this week, was Oscar off TV for three weeks? Mm-hmm. For the entire build to um, to Elimination Chamber. It's pretty obscene. It really is. Uh, Bailey and Sasha going cross-brand, I really love. Uh, like We'll get into that more as, as they start to have matches announced. They need to get past the, the train wreck of Nia and Tamina first. Uh, by the way, we've got some great <laughs> wim- we've got some great women's interviews coming up over the coming weeks. Yeah. Um, Vicky Guerrero next week. Who, what a woman. I've, I've already done the Vicky Guerrero interview to pull the curtain back on you. And she... For someone who I legitimately hated when she was on TV, she is one of the most delightful human beings I've ever spoken to. And I told her that. I, I said, I think that's. You were so good at your job that I hated you, but you seem like a delight. And I said that to you when you told me uh, on WhatsApp. And, and I said, literally, anyone in the, in the business, if you look at online, has anything to say about Vicky Guerrero's? All, all glowing, mm-hmm. all of it. And we've also got Lisa Marie Veron, a.k.a. Victoria, uh, joining us as well. So uh, we'll talk more women's wrestling as, as the weeks continue. Uh, two, the other two storylines we need to touch on from, uh, from WWE before we move on, though, is obviously the Kofi Kingston being withdrawn from the main event at Fastlane, being uh, replaced by Owens. What I found interesting about this booking is obviously we've talked about the Vince McMahon element of it is the Owens element of it where he came back. Still a face. And it was the, yeah, perfect opportunity when you've been inserted by Vince McMahon to be the asshole. Mm. And instead... The asshole, the way you say it. (laughs) But instead, he has just been really humble about it and kind of almost apologetic and then asked a team with him. I don't really, well, can't really figure it. it out. But then, you know, all of my instincts and knowledge on Kevin Owens tells me that there's a flip coming somewhere where, <laughs> you know, he, he's asking, to t- I thought it might have been there right on SmackDown. I thought he's going he's to muck over Kofi in the main event, isn't he? But, you know, obviously that didn't happen. Um, Ke- Kevin Owens is not the kind of guy who's really a long-term baby face because he'll always go back to, to what he knows, like his character would. Do you know what I mean? Um, so if he loses at fast lane and then he hasn't got a shot at Mania, I find it hard to buy that he'll just stick to being a good guy and oh well happy go lucky like he he'll do what it takes to win. Personally, I'd like to see him and Sami Zayn as a team, like a real team. I know they were a team before they got injured, but not really. They didn't challenge for like tag titles or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd personally think that'd be the best use of him at Mania. Well, then I look at that on SmackDown, I think, oh, pretty crowded. Like, it'd be, it'd be useful for them too on Raw. Obviously, he's been brought back to SmackDown now, so that's just the way it is. But things can change. The shake-up's only after Mania, so who knows. But uh, uh, are they... there, aren't, there is nowhere else to go but Kofi and Bryan. And I think they know that, right? Like, the way the crowd has been. Uh, you know, you could do a triple threat, but I, I just feel 
that Kofi's moment has presented itself and the WWE would be stupid to do anything but that. So we think that's, we're thinking it's Kofi at Mania, which I think is the, the generally accepted smart angle that they're taking yeah, with this. it is. And, you know, it presents them as well with, even though, you know, Daniel Bryan is someone who, with his short-term return, we want dream matches. We want the, the, the kind of the big programs that we don't know how much longer he'll stick around for beyond uh, the run he's on at the moment. I Mania had a real problem last year with not handling its peaks and troughs properly. As someone who was there in kind of in stadium watching it for the first time, when you've got a six-hour, seven-hour show, once you consider the pre-show as well, I think what you can do with Brian Kofi is have it not as a feature match. It doesn't have to be, you know, your headline is your triple threat. Your mm. Rollins and, and Brock is probably your second to headline. You've got the uh, the women's tag titles they could do something interesting with. Like, actually, they've got so many titles in WWE this, right this now. It, yeah. It's it's kind of madness. But I, it, it means to me that they can drop that as a kind of almost a mid-card headliner. Well, you can have that third or fourth up as a big build to that. And then you throw out a multi-person tag match for the SmackDown Championship or something, well, SmackDown tags while everyone goes off for a beer, and it gives you that kind of nice peak and then the trough and the build again. I, I think, you know, we, obviously we were both there in New Orleans last year, and it was, I think, up to the Triple H, Stephanie, Ronda, Kurt Angle match, it was one of the best manias I'd seen. Like, And the atmosphere there was on fire and we were all really enjoying the show and then it kind of ended and it was just, I was in Orlando the year before that and it was like closing with Reigns and Taker was also a bit like oh um, you know and but they had the Hardy Boys kind of right in the middle of their return and that was like a massive high point and then you you know you're coming down from there and it's very hard to book when you've got all of these moments but Kofi Kingston is one of those organic moments that it wasn't actually meant to happen, as we all know. Mustafa Ali was actually meant to be in the exact spot that Kofi was in going to Elimination Chamber. But it's one of those things that the crowd now really wants. Um, they're really behind it. You can't you can't book that. Do you know what I mean? Like you can't um you can't book the crowd to want that per se. Um it's just kind of happened. And now it, you know, I've seen a lot of people talking about, okay. Well, you can't have Becky get her big moment and then Kofi get his big moment and then Rollins get his big moment. Like, you can't have all three of them do it. Why? I mean, I think that. I don't think Kofi will win the title. I, st I, I still I, think uh... his moment is getting in the match. I don't think he'll win the title. Oh. I don't think he will... I don't believe Kofi Kingston will win the WWE title at WrestleMania. I think they like where he is right now, but I, I don't think he, they see him as a long-term option. Look, I, yeah, obviously not. I mean, I, I'd like it. I'd like to just see the television of the New Day holding the WWE title and the possibilities that stem from that. I'd like to see it, but obviously if you look at the, the three that I just mentioned, if there's one person who isn't going to, it's probably Kofi. Mm -hmm. I think Roman returning maybe adds an element of doubt that Seth is going to be the guy to slay Lesnar. Um, I'd I'd like to be wrong there because I do think Rollins is the right guy, but um, something leads me to believe that the WWE probably look at it as if oh Roman's back now and that's his spot really. Um, but I think Becky is one thousand percent beating Ronda, so it's you know it's up for debate really. But I think if you look at that as three headlining matches, if you like spaced out correctly, then the spine of the show is really strong. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you've got plenty to work around it as well, like fantastic workers like Finn Balor or whatever he's going to end up doing with the Intercontinental title. The SmackDown, you've, if you've got Usos 
Um, presumably, the other two members of the New Day, whether their main year is accompanying Kofi or being in the match, Hardy Boys, Bar. There's a lot going on on SmackDown. You know, the Raw Tag Team titles are probably destined for the pre-show. The US title hasn't had a lot of love at all, but, you know, what, who who would our truth feud with going into that? And we still don't know what's going on with Cena, and apparently they're trying to crowbar Undertaker in. So there's a lot. There's really a lot to think about. Um, you were bigger on this than I was, partially, I think, because it was on SmackDown rather than Raw, the Hardy Boys returning. Yeah. I mean... I will never object to watching the Hardy Boys wrestle, even though they are not as Clearly smooth steps. or clean or, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. W- they were pr- previously, but they get a great pop. I just don't see the point of bringing them to the already tag-heavy SmackDown when you've got Raw is, is struggling for teams outside of the current champs and... Well, what? So on SmackDown, we've got the Bar, we've got Miz and uh, and McMahon, we've well, got you, McMiz or whatever. Hang on, hang on. Do we have Miz and McMahon? We <laughs> well, all, we do at the moment. We all know they're going to a program, so we, so we still do at the moment. We've got uh, there. There are the things like Sanity, the Good Brothers. There's a lot of teams that aren't teams that I like having yeah. a lot done with them, and we've brought back another legacy team to fill out a roster, which. I'd like to see them do more with what's already there. But you have to believe that they've been brought back for a reason um, and formed together in WrestleMania season with a purpose. But, I mean, you'd like to believe that anyway. But, um, you know, to me, yeah, I would have preferred it to be on Raw. But also, looking at Jeff and Matt Hardy, they, they are better together. They're not, uh, You know, when Jeff first returned, I was, I was thinking to myself, I really wouldn't mind seeing him in the title picture again, like, as a WWE champion. They're not going to push him there. The, what you know, Lord knows what they were going to do with Matt Hardy. His his he says he's a combination of all of his characters now, um, in fantastic shape by the way, and you know really for Jeff he was kind of wallowing after the Randy Orton feud with all the sick ear stuff. What has he really done? Like yeah, Samoa Joe's kind of had a go in for drinking. I forgot as well. We've got Orton and uh, Orton's destined to have a, a Orton and AJ Styles, Styles coming. Yeah, haven't that's we? clearly being foreshadowed, but. That's what I'm saying. The Hardy Boys really was spinning their, you know, Jeff was spinning his wheels. Really, pick, just kind of um, filling in every now and again. So really, why not? Why not put them together? In my opinion, yes, I'd I'd like it to be on Raw, but I still think it's a smart play to put them together. Okay, so let's. Um, that's kind of the the WWE bulk of the chat. Just a quick mention of um, the other stuff that was on TV this week. NXT, really good show this week. Keith Lee against Dominic Dijakovic. Dijakovic. Yeah, maybe Dijakovic. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's something like that. Uh, was just a good hog boss match. Uh, Shayna Baszler, Maya uh, Yim was a decent match as well. Well worth going to watch. Gargano was uh, was excellent and. Yeah, there's, there's, they, they are setting up for uh, Gargano against uh, Champa for the belt at Mania. It's, of course. It's getting there. It's slowly building to it. I'm intrigued to see how they translate that to WWE TV, but uh, at the moment I'm really digging that. NXT UK, right? You had an unbelievable lineup of matches this week. You had mm. Tyler Bate against Jack Gallagher. You had Walter against Cassius Ono. And you had the Grizzled Young Veterans against Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan, who we saw how good they can be well, when they did the takeover This match. was taped in Phoenix, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, you, I mean, n- none of them stood out as good as they will be on a takeover when you give them 20 minutes and a uh-huh. really good finish and everything. But they're all three-plus-star matches. And yet putting them in Phoenix, there was... And they're going to be doing this again with the tapings at Download. Putting them in front of a non-NXT UK crowd really sucked so much of the energy out of the show the last two weeks for me. 
And I, I, I don't know. I just, I'm not a big fan of them going. I don't mind doing like a Worlds Collide special, but this taking NXT UK on the road outside of the UK, losing that pop of the UK crowd, the yeah. the, the funny chants, the, everything else that comes with doing it in the UK. I'm happy with them touring it around the country versus having it in one place like you do in America. But yeah, it just it felt a little off for me. And look, I, I was at NXT UK in Blackpool, and I can tell you the electricity in that. Uh, Empress Ballroom was was incredible, one of the best atmospheres I've been to, and I've been to a hell of a lot of wrestling shows. So when you when you combine that and you say, okay, NXT UK, they only got another takeover planned of their own at the moment, and where that would be. But I agree, if it's in England and and, and you know it doesn't have to be the O2, it, you know, even like a Royal Albert Hall or somewhere like that, the atmosphere would be incredible, and that's kind of half of the luster. If you're a UK-based fan, or even for an American fan getting invested in the product. If you take that away, I feel like that's a, a part of the character of the show. So it's, I mean, I totally agree with you on, on that. You know, and, and I think from WWE's perspective, they're thinking, okay, exposing it to different audiences and taking it around, and I can understand that. But there has to be a balance, I guess, and you know, I'm not sure if they've hit it the last few weeks. Um, the They have uh, announced some new signing stories to UK, and actually uh, Ilya Dragunov, uh, or Ilyana Rukoba, as he's been introduced. I'm not sure I'm a big fan of that. I, I just think... keep thinking of Alvaro Rukoba. Well, yeah, and, yeah, and, and, and Dragonoff is a great heel, international heel kind of name. Screams but, rocky. Yeah, it really does. Mm. It, maybe it's too rocky. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> but uh, they announced uh, Ilya Dragonoff, who obviously best known for his WXW work, but has done some really sterling work over here in, in Progress and in ICW as well. Kaylee Ray, who is an ICW mainstay and, and is brilliant, so I'm excited to see what she'll do. And I think they can put her... She's one of those she can, they can insert into the women's... Uh, title yeah from the jump picture pretty much from the jump uh, Jazzy Gabbert who was part of the May Young Classic in 2017 I liked her work like um, Jazzy she, she suffered a quite a nasty injury after the May Young Classic I actually think she probably would have been an NXT prospect if this had been a year year and a half ago but I quite like this idea of bringing people into NXT UK and then uh, Primate uh, best known for working in Defiant. Oliver Carter, who's another kind of European indie mainstay. So, you know, none of them necessarily bad signings. Interesting that that's three Europeans coming into the NXT UK brand to then add to Walter as well. Yeah. It's becoming NXT EU. It depending is, on your position on Brexit. Let's see how you feel about that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm all good with it. Yeah. No, I like it. I, you know, it, it perhaps it, it kind of gives you a, a tip of the cap to where the NXT next brand is going. You know, China is heavily rumoured, and India. So um, if they're not going to create a hub in the near future, they're probably thinking, OK, let's maximise NXT UK as the central European hub. Mm-hmm. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. 
That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's kind of our WWE chat. We've got uh, uh, Frankie Kazarian still to come. Uh, there was some AEW news this week. Uh, B Priestley has uh, been added to their women's roster. Apparently, she's going to make her debut not at the uh, not at the May event, not at uh, Double or Nothing. But and I didn't realise that they'd announced that Fight for the Fallen was happening in July. But apparently, it is. I knew they had an event in July. I didn't know that was the name. Fight for the Fallen's that event in Jacksonville, the one for the uh, yeah. the anti gun violence one or the pro All the proceeds go to that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So she's been announced. She'll make her debut there. Um, now, I, I kind of hate it when people do this, and yet I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it now. I'm waiting to shoot you down, but please yeah, continue. But, so, the, the way this has been sold online, considering that Brandy Rhodes has been all about the women's division having equality and parity, and I've got, I think we've got a really exciting triple threat set up for Double or Nothing, and I also think that you, you've got not only that kind of exciting triple threat but then outside of that people like Azure Kong and stuff like that who are really exciting prospects that they've added in and yet be Priestley not debuting until after May which is when Will Ospreay's contract is up in New Japan and with Ring of Honor everyone has put two and two together and ended up with 15 mm. B Priestley is a good worker on her own we can be positive about her signing without talking about what it means for Will Ospreay yeah of course we can you know and by by her own standards she's a, she's a big player along with Britt Baker and the likes in the women's division already um it kind of brings me on to Britt Baker like you know when when she signed of course we know Adam Cole is locked in at uh, NXT WWE but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't automatically mean okay because they're spouseful or you know whatever they are are signing with another company that they are as well. Um, it just seems more conceivable that Will Ospreay is though because he's not locked in anywhere from a certain date. Um, he... it, it, there's also the fact if you if you ever heard uh, Jericho when he sat down with Osprey and B Priestley and did a good hour and a half with them for his podcast, mm. they both talked about. I mean, Osprey has had conversations with WWE before. That shouldn't He's be a surprise to anyone at all. But he said that part of why he wouldn't have signed with NXT in the past is that he's quite a homely person he likes that his new japan work is he goes out and does a couple of months and then comes back again yeah. wouldn't want to be based in florida permanently and that's what aew can offer him as well in the same way it's what ring of honor can offer him right now well but if they become say, a, they a the regular TV TV deal. Deal, exactly exactly so yeah it's i don't know i don't know how to feel about it but at some point will osprey has to i mean he doesn't have to change that outlook he do that for the rest of his career if he wants but one would assume that he'll want the biggest platforms at some stage they all do like Rick- ricochet was the same kind of you know it, it took him a while to get to the big leagues but, but. Uh, yeah i just i hate the reporting on it it's like when diana parazzo signed for for nxt <laughs> and everyone went well that means well, ricochet girl's on his way yeah. like he just like oh god just just get over it nah. uh, <laughs> should we <laughs> right now that I've, now we've got that off our chests yes uh, should we hear from frankie kazarian yes would uh, you like to introduce him? i would you like to introduce chat. frankie uh you know we spoke to uh, one half of the addiction and one third of SCU, Frankie Kazarian, a 21-year veteran in the wrestling business. Uh, and of course, he's been reinventing himself 
in Ring of Honor the past couple of years and was one of the first signings for AEW alongside Christopher Daniels and Scorpio Sky, his SCU brethren. Uh, and we had a nice little 15-minute chat with him on uh, Wednesday night. So let's get to it. So I'm here with Frankie Kazarian, one-third of SCU, uh, half of the legendary The Addiction tag team, and of course, uh, a member of All Elite Wrestling. Uh, how are you doing today, Frankie? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I suppose we should start um, with the newest uh, news, if you like, in your life with All Elite Wrestling. Uh, how has how it been a part of the promotion um, and the distance between all or nothing? Um, I, I guess it's kind of exciting, but um, you know, you have that long wait as well to show everyone and, and have the first event under your banner. Uh, I'm very, very excited. Uh probably the most excited I've ever been in my career to be part of a, of a new team. Um, I know that sounds good, but it's the truth. Uh, yeah, with the SW and nothing coming up, which is our first event, the first event under the AEW banner, May 25th in Vegas. And that's going to be uh, just a game-changing event, an industry-shifting show. Uh, we're very excited about it. It's going to be uh, monumental in the history books of pro wrestling. Very, very psyched for it. Very, very happy that the fan base seems to be 100% on board and uh, happy to take this ride with us. If, if reports are be t- uh, to be believed, then the pre-sales, there was apparently 43,000-ish individual people um, looking to get tickets uh, for the MGM Grand. Did that kind of blow you guys away? I, I know that you know the support you've had uh, and how it all started, really, with Dave Meltzer suggesting you couldn't sell out a venue much smaller than that. Um, but mm. in such the infancy of the company, it doesn't give you such belief, like, hang on a minute, uh, you know, that, that all of a sudden the, the dreams are getting grander. And at this stage in your career, that must be so um, thrilling for yourself. Yeah, I, I personally, when we put this event on sale, I personally, and this is speaking solely for myself, I, I knew that we would sell it out. Uh, just how quickly that would happen, that shocked me. Uh, mm. The day of the on-sale, the day of the on-sale party in Las Vegas, uh, you know, you know, maybe 20, 30 minutes after we'd announced the tickets and the pre-sales, I, I began to hear, I heard numbers that were being thrown around of how many thousands of people had already signed up, and it, and it that blew me away. Um, I, I know this is big, and I know this is real, but every time we do one of these events, it gets bigger and it gets more real and just the demand for this event uh is certainly overwhelming and very very humbling and again it goes back to the fans want to be part of this they see that this is something special and they see that this is something that they want to get behind and put their their passion and their love of pro wrestling into it it's just it's really really cool and, uh, you know, if we dial it back quickly to All In, uh, which is kind of the, the prequel, if, if you will, to this, um, you, you guys were involved against the Briscoes, yourself and Scorpio Sky. And then, of course, uh, you was also involved in Christopher Daniels' match with Stephen and Mel. Um, did you, was there a certain electricity at that event that, and that kind of led you to, to this path of AEW? Did you know anything about it then? Or was it just like, how can we capitalize on this? Like, what was your feeling coming out of that event? Well, uh, All In was a, for me, the most special pro wrestling event I've ever been a part of the whole weekend. 
uh, all the events at StarCast leading up to All In. Just there was there was an energy and a vibe uh, in the air, and the, it was just it was it was special. That's the only way I could describe it. The event itself, the crowd was on fire from the opening bell when we went out there against the Briscoes to the closing second of the show. Nobody left. Uh, every every ten thousand plus fans were still in their seat, um, and, and it was really such a huge feeling of accomplishment. Everyone was just elated, and that kind of opened everybody's eyes. Of you know, wow, this is something that this could be big. Uh, people are behind this, and people want to be part of this. And uh, I, I certainly you know took it all in, and and was you know very much uh, inspired that, wow, if this is something that going forward could be a regular thing, then count me in because uh, I, I want more of this, to be honest. So, so when um, would you say, you know, what, what, what was the first that you heard from, you know, AEW becoming a real promotion? Um, how was your approach about it? Uh, you know, obviously you three have come in as SCU, which is, I would say, ideal as well. How did that all come together? Uh, I mean, you know, we all kind of, myself and Christopher Daniels and Scorpio Sky and the Young Bucks and, and Hangman Adam Page, we all kind of had contracts coming up at the same time. Um, and, you know, to be honest, to be quite frank, we all had offers from several different places. Um, uh, you know, early, early on in the year, I had been approached and we had heard what was uh, the game plan with Cody and the Bucks and All Elite Wrestling, and that's why we were one of the first to announce our signing, because we... I, I've watched this grow. I've been very very, very uh, blessed to watch this grow from very close in, from the inner circle, and just seeing the phenomenon that has been created, and uh, to see the fact that these guys have their fingers on the pulse of what wrestling fans want, and I've been a part of that, so I was. it was a no-brainer for me and for us, honestly, to be a part of it, and it was honestly the only the only the only decision that was um, that was viable in my mind. Yeah, and that makes the world of sense. I mean, you look at your career as well. You've you know you talk about how you've watched it grow from the inside. You've been a part of of TNA and, and Ring of Honor, and, and you're the first PWG champion, and you've been of all these promotions um, that are, that were. Um, I don't want to say competitors of WWE, but it's certainly alternatives at the time. But this really feels like the first viable alternative since maybe TNA and their pomp, but you know certainly since WCW, where you know, people keep saying that, don't they? Oh, you know, AEW is a rival to WWE, but what do you see it as? You know, as point of inception, what is the goal? Um, and how do you guys look at it as opposed to the rest of the competition out there? Because, of course, you've just come from Ring of Honor, which probably had their best years with, with a lot of your roster. Uh, well, like you said, you know, I've been part of, of a lot of companies from the very beginning. Like PWG, I was on their first show in the main event, and I was the first champion. And to see what, what they've become is it, really cool. Uh, the early days of TNA, I, w I was there at the trenches in the very beginning, and you know, to see that they're still around and what they could have been is, is definitely something to speak of. But when I look at AEW and I look at people behind it from a from a ownership point of view and from a managerial point of view, and and then obviously the roster we have, I don't think ever in at least in my time of pro wrestling has there ever been 
such a good combination of good mind and good business minds, good professional wrestling minds, good managerial minds, and just people from the production side. Everybody on our roster from behind the scenes and in front of the camera is is an A-lister and a, a, uh, a starting player, if you know what I mean. Everybody involved is very passionate, very goal-driven, and we all want to accomplish the same thing. And, uh, you know, people always want to use that word competition as a buzzword. As a buzzword, we're we're looking to be an alternative. We're looking to be something different. There's a lot of wrestling fans that are, quite frankly, uh, not thrilled with the status quo. There's a lot of wrestling fans who kind of fell off in the last ten or fifteen years. That hey, if they watch our product, they might say, "Wow, this is what I was missing in pro wrestling." Uh, we we are, you know, when we say the that the phrase change the world, that's not just us saying a cute little catchphrase. We all are, are very, very driven to do that, to change the world of professional wrestling uh, for the better. This is all, this is all for, uh, this is all very positive. And that's one thing I've noticed with the fans that have supported us since day one is the fans are so behind us, so positive, and everybody uh, is, is so very, very happy for what we're doing, which, which is cool because that fuels us to want to even do more for the fans. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you look at um, how AEW has built out their roster to begin with. Now, obviously, of course, you've got the the Chris Jericho and, and Pack, which are mainstream names to a lot of people, and then you obviously Cody Bucks Omega SCU, uh, and then it goes down to you know Phoenix and MJF. You, the list goes on. Um, one thing that TNA could have been accused of at one point is potentially just if someone left WWE, that the chances were sky high that they would end up in TNA in, in some sort of fashion. But AEW looks to be carving out its own identity. When you look at the roster, um, you know, would you agree with that, that you, you've kind of picked uh, a certain style and a certain kind of performer, you know, maybe a character, a person to come and be a part of what you're doing? I mean, certainly, if you look at, like, what the Young Bucks have done on their own as uh, just the brand, the tag team, and you certainly have to look at being the elite, uh, those guys are more DIY than anyone I've ever personally witnessed. Those guys are unconventional. They broke all the rules of how you're supposed to succeed in professional wrestling, and they've done it. They have my eternal respect for that. Uh, The same thing with the Kenny Omega. Kenny's a guy that could have punched his own ticket anywhere he wanted to go. Uh, he decided to make his brand and make his name in New Japan by becoming the prof- best professional wrestler in the world. And that's that's kind of the that's the attitude of all elite wrestling. We're not trying to get castaways and trying to just live off of other guys' names. We're trying to create our name. We're still trying to, you know, nationwide... Uh, you know, the U.S. hasn't really been exposed to the Kenny Omegas and the Young Bucks and the SCUs the way that, that you would get that exposure on WWE. And we're going to change that. Uh, the world is ready for more wrestling. Uh, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying competition. The world is ready for more wrestling, more wrestling on television, more great live events. And you talk about television. Uh, I know that you won't be able to give away specific details of any pending TV deal, but obviously that's going to be a huge part of AEW moving forward. But it's safe to say that all starts with double or nothing. Um, what are the focuses towards that event? Uh, and for yourself, um, do you know? Do you feel like you maybe 
you know, you might be 41 at this point, but you're proving yourself all over again because now this is a real uh, mainstream event that is going to turn a lot of heads and, and is gauging a hell of a lot of interest. It's certainly going to turn a lot of heads. And, uh, and yeah, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm, uh, I would argue that I'm ha- having the best matches of my life. I'm in the best shape of my career. Uh, I'm certainly having the most fun of my career. And with, uh, with SCU, I think I've, uh, again, reinvented myself and uh, have uh, continued to be as entertaining, if not more, than I've ever been. And when you look at an event like Double or Nothing, my match personally, myself and Christopher Daniels, Scorpio Sky, taking on Shima and two partners from uh, his crew, which is Oriental Wrestling Entertainment, which is something that, again, the fans in the United States are going to be blown away when they see it. It's unlike nothing you've seen. And then you take a team like the Young Bucks, who's arguably the best tag team in the world, against Pentagon and Ray Phoenix, who can also be argued that they could be the best tag team in the world. And that match is going to sell out any arena on its own. And then you top that with a match like Kenny Omega and uh, Chris Jericho. It's, you know, like this card is already shaping up to be the uh, the show of the year. Well, Puck and, Puck and Paige as well. And, and you got out of, exactly, and that, like I said, that was just three matches. Yeah, just three matches. You take you take uh, an incredible talent like Pac and a guy who is continually on the rise. And I know this firsthand because I've been in the ring with him numerous times. Adam Page, that's that could steal the show. Uh, it's just it's one of these shows where it's just every match is going to try to top the one before it. Uh, the fans are going to be blown away, just like they were at All In, but even more so. And we're going to blow the roof off the MGM Grand Arena, so I hope they got insurance for that. <laughs> well, um, before I let you go, because I know you're a very busy man, you, you talk about uh, mainstream exposure, and this is the first time a lot of the U.S. audience is going to get to uh, enjoy a lot of these performers. Um, you're looking at the roster. Who do you, you know, that people might not know that you want people to get excited about? Okay, well, certainly, you know, a, a character like MJF, he's... Uh, Wow, you know, he's uh, he's definitely he's one of those characters that just hits a nerve, uh, good or bad. He he strikes he strikes a chord with people, and I think he's really going to be successful again. Somebody like Adam Page, that you know, only really the Ring of Honor wrestling fans have been exposed to, and the New Japan wrestling fans. He's a guy that's got star written all over him, and it's very cool to see his career uh, come to the point that uh, that it has, and that it is going to. Of course, Kenny Omega is more more recognizable and more known, but perhaps on a national scale, people are really going to see what this guy can do. But then you go down and you see somebody like a Britt Baker, an up-and-coming great female talent, and she, she's going to uh, impress a lot of people. And then even somebody like a Brandon Cutler or a Jungle Boy, uh, guys that you know haven't really had any exposure other than you know on the independent scene, these guys are going to get their opportunity to get their faces out there and to create a brand and let people know who they are and uh, it's, you know, the world is their oyster and it's good. It's cool for me, somebody who's been in it for 21 years to see guys like this, getting that opportunity and getting it on this level, which is major league. Well, thank you very much for your time, Frankie. I couldn't agree more of what you had to say there. Um, we look forward to seeing double or nothing. I know you guys are going to tear the house down there. Um, you know, hopefully we're going to be coming out to Vegas to catch you guys in action. So very much look forward to it. And thank you for talking to us today. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate all the positivity and the guy, the fact you guys are supporting this. And I hope you make it out to Vegas because it's one of those, uh, you know, this is the first one, and you want to, you want to be that guy 
or girl that can say you were at the first one and you were part of this journey from the beginning. So we, uh, you know, we love, we uh, appreciate all the support. No doubt. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. Frankie Gazarian speaking with the main man, Alex McCarthy. Wonderful <laughs> job, buddy. I, I was going to say, I saw Frankie Gazarian we, when we did Come Hell or High Water out at the Super Bowl. He and um, Christopher Daniels went up against uh, Pentagon and Ray. And then they also had uh, Scorpio Sky had a one-on-one with MJF. And they were easily the two best matches of the night. Oh, great. And for guys at their age, working as long as they have, they can still put on a real show. So I've said it before. I like the idea of Kazarian and of Daniels being used because they've got this kind of joint role being used to help develop the young talent coming yeah. through. Kind, kind of like gatekeepers, if you, yeah. if you will. I mean... You look at Kazarian, he's had a very storied career. You know, a lot, uh, Obviously had a brief stint with WWE in 2005, but at that point they didn't want to do anything with the Cruiserweight division, and thus he was he was let go. And then, you know, he, he could have easily, any of them could have gone back there since, since the WWE has, has reinvested in their Cruiserweights. And, and he alludes to the fact that they had multiple offers from a lot of big companies before AEW became a reality. Um, very interesting in what he said around All In, and the mentality shift after that show and people starting to get on board and the fact that SCU have actually been kind of on the inside. You know, Christopher Daniels, I believe, is head of talent relations, I want to say, with AEW. Um, so they've been involved from the inside uh, as the company has grown. He always uh, appears on the Being the Elite when they're yeah. watching a video of a new wrestler they might I sign. I it was hilarious um, when Daniels did the video where Cody and Billy Gunn yeah, yeah. summon yeah. Um, Hangman Page and they're telling him, because obviously he's going up against Puck who's in ridiculous shape and they're basically telling him that he's fat. I think it's, it's <laughs> tremendous. But um, The stuff on Jimmy Havoc was really good as well. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Havoc, who by the way, last weekend did came out as a, a spoiler warning for some of the indie shows in the UK this past week before they've gone on demand, uh, came out as a surprise... Like he returned to progress for the first mm. time since Wembley. Uh, in there, it was in the first match of the night. So it would have been about, he came out at the end. So this would have been about 4.20, 4.25. And then still came in as an entrant to IECW Square Go at about 9, 9.30 that <laughs> evening. So went from Camden to Glasgow, uh, flew up there, did two shows in a night, which two shows in a night is nothing uncommon for an no. indie wrestler. But when they're hundreds and hundreds of miles apart. I just thought it was really impressive. I was yeah. just like, fair play to him. Very underrated guy, in in my opinion, full stop. Uh, a great addition. But, and, and a lovely man. Yeah, yeah. A um, big fan. I have to wrap up because I have to go and do my real job. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I have to get back to writing stuff. This has been good fun. Uh, I, we haven't done an indie roundup this week because I just haven't. So um, <laughs> I will just let you know that uh, Pro Wrestling Eve have a big show next Friday. Uh, she fights on Fridays and it's an amazing uh, main event. Leon and Emi Sakura in a, a tag with Kaylee Ray and Kaman Bolshoi. They've been getting a lot of this Japanese talent in recently and it's really, really exciting stuff. Uh, Progress, it will go on demand this weekend, but their show at Camden this past weekend was an absolute barnstormer and set up for some really big stuff for Super Strong Style 16, including a possible unification bout. That's all I will say to avoid spoilers. And ICW had square go this weekend, and everything I've heard and everything I've seen was that it was absolutely brilliant, bar some misbehaviour from the crowd. But as always... Don't let a couple of idiots ruin... A couple of bad eggs. Yeah, what otherwise was a great show and, and, and is a great 
promotion. Uh, Al, any final thoughts? Yeah, what I will say, um, moving forward, obviously we, we're having these regular weekly shows where we, we seem to be covering all the ground, but also heading into WrestleMania season, the UK tour for WWE following that, and AEW at the end of May. We're hoping to you know put together some live specials and some nice stuff that we could perhaps do um, so obviously that's a nice season coming up but until then we'll have to uh, keep on top of our news and uh, as we've said Will had a lot of great interviews in the bag that the uh, it's the, all coming the it's, main man it, it, yeah, it's the main all man coming. has put in the bag we've got a lot on the a lot coming I mean until then my very new Twitter account Alex M yeah yeah underscore underscore talk talk sport. Sport. go and follow Get it there me. same as Will Gavin get and on the Will pro Gav. wrestle show and, follow, and uh, yeah we'll see you next time guys <laughs> good stuff cheers Al uh, John get well soon and thank you so much for listening this has been the pro wrestle show Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 